Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collin. What up guys, this is Essence Carson. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of WNBA Nation. My name is Kyle Haywood, and I'm joined tonight by my good friend Jason Snow. Jason, how is it going? I... I'm in so much pain. My back is killing me, but I'm good. Uh, besides that, I've, I've got like lumbar support. I've been sitting on a massage chair all day, uh, but I'm doing good. Uh, how are you doing, Kyle? Not bad, man. Not bad. I'm getting over a cold. So if I sound a little bit stuffed up, I apologize to everybody, but I've had a cold for like, basically I recorded that episode, our last episode, um, my top five uh, draft pick prospects. Um so I recorded that and immediately, like within an hour, had like had a stuffy nose and wasn't feeling mm-hmm. good. So I'm just getting over that, which is nice. So, um, yeah. But other than that, things are good, man. Um, we've had some fun WNBA news coming around, uh, that we'll get to here very soon. Um, but it was really cool to, to see some of the reactions. Uh, appreciate many of you who listened in on our last episode, um, as far as like top picks and, it was cool, Jason. Uh, I know that you listened to the episode, you edited it and uploaded it for me, and I appreciate that. Um, it was kind of fun because literally within minutes of our episode being uploaded, ESPN um, and Michelle Vopel came out with their like 12, like their like mock draft, right? Like who's going number one through 12. And it felt really good because of my top five, Michelle Vopel put the top four like the exact same that I had them in that order. And I was pretty sucked on that because Michelle's really smart and it made me feel like, Oh, like, okay. Like I've actually like this effort that I've put in mm-hmm. is, it just felt like I was a little bit, um, not verified is not the right word. I'm thinking like Twitter verified, but, um, yeah, validated. justified. I felt ju- validated. Thank you. Felt validated because, um, because it, you know, somebody else who obviously um, probably spends a lot more time and effort covering uh, covering it than I do, 
um, felt very similarly. So all the extra like game film and games that I've watched this year and notes that I've taken on these players and, and just my, my own personal eye test, I felt really good. I felt really validated, um, seeing that come through. So, um, we've got a difference of opinion on our number five overall, but that's okay. That's all right. I think, uh, I think that they had Ashley Jones down at like eight and if, I've got her up at number five. So if, if you went, if you went chalk all the way, then people would think it was just a copy and paste people issue. Think, so. yeah, right. I know. But it was really, it was, it was kind of fun. And that was a fun episode. I will keep that up to date as we go. I'll probably, um, that's kind of, that's kind of my own personal, like, baby, I guess you could say, as far as our show goes, is I'm keeping tabs on a lot of the NCAA. I mean, everybody in our, on our shows watching NCAA games across the board. But, uh, as far as like draft prospects, that's kind of like something I'm trying to hone in on a little bit this season. So I'm spending a lot of extra time. YouTube highlights, uh, game reviews, just watching a lot there. So that's been a lot of fun. But Jason, we get today to talk about the WNBA draft lottery that happened on Sunday. It's been a little bit over 24 hours since we had a chance to uh, watch that take place. But before we hop into that, Jason, let's let everybody, all of our listeners right now, know how they can best interact with us and where they can find us. Yeah, so if you want to watch the show live, we do that on Twitch uh, almost every time we record. Not every time. I will say that there have been a few times we've recorded off. But almost every time we record, we do that live on Twitch. So if you want the chance to comment, get some interaction uh, before and after the recording, we, we talk a lot with the chat and those things. You can do that over on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash WNBA Nation. Give us a follow. Uh, if you're an Amazon Prime uh, member, you can subscribe for free to one to one uh stream a month uh we would appreciate if you did that us for us it gives us a couple bucks um or if out of the generosity of your heart you want to subscribe and uh pay the five dollar monthly fee to subscribe uh we would appreciate that too that helps to support the show and what we're doing here uh as always we ask that you subscribe and rate and review in whatever podcast grabber you use if it has a rate and review feature if you rate and review give us a five-star review on itunes uh we will go ahead and read those live on the air so uh, give us a rate and review, subscribe on your pod feed. That way it just shows up on your phone or whatever device you use for listening to podcasts. If you want some merch, go over to WNBANation.StoreNV.com. We've got some shirt designs, which I'm actually in the process of revamping that right now. So if you wait a week mm. or two, uh, if you wait a week or two, there might be some new options and maybe a little bit of a cleaner interface there. Uh, that's kind of my in-between semesters thing that I'm working on. Uh, as far as that goes... Other than that, um, I feel like I'm missing something, Kyle. What am I missing? Uh, that's pretty much it. You can find us. Uh, did you mention oh, Twitter? Twitter? Twitter, yeah, Twitter, yeah. <laughs> Twitter, and Facebook at WNBA Nation Pod at WNBA Nation Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we're more active on Twitter, I'll be honest. Uh, but just recently, we did add our podcast to Facebook. So if you go to our our Facebook page, you can actually you listen can actually to the podcast listen to straight on Facebook. So uh, yeah. that, that's a new thing. Facebook kind of added that uh, that ability in the last couple months, and so we're now taking advantage of that. So if you want to listen to the the podcast, you can do that straight from Facebook. So at WNBA Nation Pod on either of those services uh, is where we're at on social media. And uh, be on the lookout. There may be a, a TikTok or some other stuff coming. But uh, for right now, Ooh. our social media extent really consists of uh, Twitter and Facebook. But at WNBA Nation Pod. <laughs> and that's the rundown, Kyle. Back to you. Well done, dude. That was that was efficient. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. That was solid. Jason, 
Let's talk about the WNBA draft yes. lottery. Oh man, can we just before we start, can we have a moment of silence for the last several seasons <laughs> draft lotteries for the Indiana Fever? Like they can't catch a break, bro. They just so I feel like I feel like that that organization is I mean some of it is is self-imposed. Some of it they they haven't done well with with certain elements of their organization. Other times it's like, all right, but like, come on, how many times in a row? How yeah. many times can we be the worst team or have the worst like back to back seasons get the number one. and not get the number one pick? Like, can we just at, uh, at, at some point? So if you if you've watched you know any sitcoms or, or TV comedies or anything like that. There's always the Jerry Gergich, the, the Toby Flinderson, like (laughs) they, they exist in every TV sitcom because it's hilarious to watch somebody who's just always unlucky, you know, the, the Ralphie Wiggum, uh, (laughs) and the fact that they're the real life version of that means that either somebody is script writing the, the draft lottery, which I think that there's decent evidence towards that. Uh, but we can get Mm -hmm. into that, but, ah, it's just. It, it breaks your heart, but you kind of laugh the whole time because it's just, it's also funny. And that's why those, that's why, that, <laughs> that's why Gary Gergich exists. <laughs> it's so good. And that, that's kind of, I feel like that's been Indiana for the last yeah, little bit. It, Indiana has it's a timeshare like, in Muncie. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they need to, obviously, there's some things that we've, and we have, if you listen to previous episodes, we've not always been kind to decisions that the Indiana Fever have made. Also, it's really hard to find an organization that has made some terrible decisions and, uh, but also can't catch a break. Yeah. Like also, also missed out on some of the biggest names in the league simply by like, just simply by opportunities that were lost. I don't know. But even then, when they have picked somebody who's, who, uh, ended up being really well, they, uh, or doing really well, they like cut them from the team, and then I don't know that player goes on to be you know and like an all star. Yeah, so, or they underdeveloped <laughs> them. There's, there's uh, that too. McCowan. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, there's a lot uh, that we could um, that we could go into there. However, let's just break it down for those of you who weren't uh, who ha- didn't catch the draft lottery. Here's how it went down. Um, Basically, the WBA draft lottery, the, the four teams that are available are the four teams that missed the playoffs. However, in order to decide who has the most chances at the number one pick and the least chances at the number one pick, those four teams that missed the playoffs combine this year's record, the most recent year, as well as the previous year. So you have to be, you kind of have to be bad for back to back seasons in order to have a really good shot, which is why Indiana had 442 out of the possible 1000 chances. They had a 44.2% chance to get the number one pick. Second was Atlanta with 27.6% chance because they had a slightly better record over those two seasons than Indiana. Washington was in third with a 17.8% chance. And then Dallas, which was technically the Los Angeles pick, um, had a chance, a 10.4% chance. Now this is actually Los Angeles is the team that, um, didn't make the playoffs, 
but they had previously they traded, traded yeah. their pick to Dallas. So it's Dallas's pick now that they owned. And so Dallas had a chance at a number one pick simply because LA missed the playoffs, which is kind of interesting. Um, but how it shook out, Dallas gets the fourth pick, which kind of fits with the, uh, with the chances. Atlanta dropped from second, most likely down to the third pick. And then Indiana missed out on that 44% chance. They missed out. They're taking the number two pick with Washington, the Mystics with only a 17.8% chance come out on top with the number one pick. Uh, and, uh, Natasha Cloud was there to, uh, to make sure that everything went smoothly for the Mystics. So Jason, give me your breakdown when you saw this shake out. What was your, what was your mindset and, and thought process as you saw the, the draft lottery coming, uh, results coming through? I, I mean, we already kind of covered it with our, you know, Indiana is Gary Gergich, uh, or Jerry <laughs> Gurgulich or whatever his name is at this point in the show. Uh, so that was that was a lot of it. I think it'll be interesting to see what Washington does. I don't believe that Washington will pick the number one in this draft this year. Uh, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think that that makes sense for their team and, and what they're trying to do. Uh, and I think there's some other teams that are hungry enough that they're willing to cough up some players for it. Uh, and for that, um, I'm now going to delve into my theory that I teased before the show. Yes. I... Here's the thing is I'm thinking about teams that are going through a rebuild and Indiana is in year 15 of its rebuild. And that's just a thing. And I know that's too long. Obviously they're not actually in year 15, but it's at least year seven. Let's, let's be real. Uh, <laughs> and Atlanta's in desperate need of a rebuild, but there's one team that's so committed to their rebuild that they just fired a coach that took them to the playoffs and to the championship. Uh, I think Phoenix might go for that number one. If they're really committed to this idea of a rebuild, uh, mm. why not, why not be aggressive and get some young talent that you can develop while you still have DT? You've, you've got, you know, Griner and you've got just this, you know, uh, Diggins Smith. You've got these players. You might have to give one of them up, but maybe you do that in order to bring up some young talent. If, if this is really a direction you're looking to go as an organization is, this has been fun. This has been a good ride, but it's time to rebuild and it's, it's time to kind of reload. Uh, I see that as, as a reasonable move. And so, um, like I said, my first thought is poor Indiana because they just, they need it so bad, but they're not going to ever get it. Um, you know, it's like that. Uh, I don't know if it's Allstate or what insurance company it is, but the, the commercial where the guy's got the dollar on a fishing thing and the guy can never quite grab it. Uh, mm-hmm. Indiana needs it, but they're never going to get it. Uh, so that's my first reaction. But my second reaction is who's actually going to get the number one pick. And if I had to put money on it, I think it's going to be Phoenix. Cause if they're going to act aggressive towards a rebuild, uh, that's how you do it. Uh, that's how you act aggressive towards a rebuild is you give up somebody for, for young talent and you take those shots. But I don't mm-hmm. know, Kyle, what were your thoughts? No, I think, um, first of all, I feel like this is a little bit of a, my my first thought was going back to when Washington was sitting in Indiana's spot. They had the highest possible chance to get the number one overall pick. Um, way back in like the three to C draft, right? The <clears throat> the draft that was Deladon, Griner, and Skydig. Um, those three all went one, two, and three uh, in that in that draft overall. And Washington was sitting in, where Indiana is and had the highest. 
opportunity had a 44% chance at the, at the number one pick and dropped all the way to fourth (laughs) where, where uh, they really shouldn't have been. And after that, so, so they missed out on those big three and which is, which is so painful when you are, you know, the worst team in the league and then you come through and can't execute and get even a top three pick in such a historic draft which actually changed, I believe that's when they changed the rule. And I may have to double check on this. Somebody on Twitter helped me out. Uh, let us know if this is correct. I believe that's when they changed the rule that the number one team like Indiana couldn't get the fourth pick. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like they could drop to three, three. Yeah. But they're guaranteed a top three. Like f- the fourth team has a chance at number one, but they're guaranteed a top three. And I think they changed that literally because of that one draft, which. I, I want to say that's true, but I, I have not double checked on that. So, um, so it's kind of a little bit of a retribution, you know, for them to come in and be like, Oh, now we got the number one when we shouldn't, you know, we probably shouldn't have, we had the really low odds. Um, but also Washington is way too good of a team <laughs> to be earning a number one pick. Cause yeah, I understand that they missed the playoffs this year, but dude, you've got Alicia Clark coming back from injury, Elena Deladon potentially coming back from injury. You still have opportunities with Emma Mieseman, which obviously that's there's tons of question question marks surrounding Emma Mieseman. But I mean, she is still with Washington. She just oftentimes doesn't be- come because she has the Some Belgian national com- team commitments. Yeah, you know, so there's that going down, but. Like they've got, they've got Tina Charles potentially could resign there. Obviously she's an unrestricted free agent, but could get, you know, I mean, she was just with Washington. So if Deladon comes back, Clark comes back and you're sitting on a number one draft pick, like maybe they can sign Charles as well. You know, like I think there's, so, they've got Atkins still, they've got Natasha Clark, like they have so many weapons yeah. and they're what? Two years, three years, three years now yeah. removed from winning a title. And they haven't lost any of those play. Well, yeah. any of the major role players from that title team. So that to me was just, that was crazy because teams like Indiana, Atlanta, and even Dallas who made the playoffs, those three teams, they need it. They really need it. And here's Washington who probably doesn't need it. Yeah. coming through and, and snaking that number one draft pick yeah. away. So that was my initial well, reaction. Out of the four teams, I say they probably need at least. Uh, yes. But I, I will say, because when we look at a team like Washington, and obviously they're, they're a few years out from winning it, and a lot of their stars are intact. They've been able to hold that together. But what hasn't stayed intact is is the the bench. like they, And that's, that's where they've struggled. So I, I do see this as... Like we're talking, having this conversation, we did this in our group chat earlier when we were talking about this uh, as hosts. We're going mm-hmm. through this and we're saying like, if everyone comes back healthy, Washington is a contender, and that's true. But everyone coming back healthy to Washington doesn't seem like a reality. Like it hasn't happened the last right. few years because we we were saying that I'm last still year question and the year before. On yeah, and and so with that being the case, like. This is a really good bargaining chip for them to to shore up their their second team, be able to to make sure that they can survive a Deladon injury, they can survive, you know, whatever mm-hmm. else comes their way. And so 
Um, you know, a championship team has to have the stars that, 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 you know, put butts in seats for, for lack of a better term and, and get you those big scoring nights and stuff like that. But you also need to be able to rotate in players and to, to have that support beyond the first three or four names that you've got. And I, I feel like that's what this number one spot can, this number one pick can do for them. They're going to be able to trade for who they want to, to play, you know, behind it. And they're going to be able to get maybe, you know, two names out of this or a, a good name and another draft pick. And, um, so I think this is really good for Washington. I think that sets them up well, but that's what they need to work on is their depth. I think that's where, right. You know, they, they, they have the stars. They need to support those stars and, and that depth is, is crucial for them right now if they want to make a run. Um, do you, as a, let's just put you in the man, in the manager, the GM seat for Washington. Do you build your depth? Right now, by taking uh Ryan Howard or Nalissa Smith, or do you potentially shop that pick and pick someone who has a little bit more established, um, you know, career in the league? Where where do you tend to lean on that? Because because I mean, it it's always a risk taking a lot. It's mm-hmm. high risk, high reward taking a a pick, right? Yeah. Um, we've seen busts at the number one pick. We've seen. You know, players who have maybe not busted, but took maybe four years to really yeah. get it together. Like we're seeing Kelsey Plum come along really strong right now, but her first couple seasons in the league really struggled. Yeah. But then you, you also know, have Asia Wilson. Um, so there's, yeah. you also have Asia Wilson who came in and could have like literally been an MVP talks from day one. Yeah. So like you've got players like that. Where do you, where do you usually sit? Or <laughs> we've got, Charlie Collier and Awat Queer, who both went to Dallas last year and barely saw playing yeah. time. So where do you sit with draft versus shopping the pick and picking um a, a maybe a, a lower ceiling but a way higher floor type player? So if I'm in their shoes in Washington shoes, in, right? Obviously. Yeah. Indiana would have a different answer to that than Washington or Dallas might have a different answer. Indiana has to have an office staff in order for that to be a thing, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, if if I'm in Washington's shoes, I'm asking myself why I've worked so hard to keep this core of Misamin and Deladon and the, the rest together. And the answer to that is I want to make a run again and I want to make a run with this group. And with that Hmm. being the case, if my goal is making a run with this group, making another title shot, it's got to be for experience. I'm I'm not I'm not playing the odds and gambling on the year that I think I want to make a run. You know, if I'm in New York shoes, if I'm in Phoenix's shoes and I'm thinking I want to make a run in 2025, like that's my goal is I want to build towards that. Then you you take those risks now because you have time to, to mitigate the damage later on if it ends up being a bust. And so because I think that Washington's plan is to win and to win this year, like to win soon. And that's why they've been fighting Mm -hmm. to keep this injury prone squad together because they know that if they are, if they're healthy and if they're clicking, they've got a shot. You've been keeping together them together for that reason. I don't gamble right now. Right now I try to get the best sure thing I can. And that's, and that's the way I would approach it. If I was in Washington shoes, what about you, Kyle? That makes a lot of sense. No, that makes a lot of sense, and I, I tend to agree with you. I, if I'm Washington, I'm honestly thinking pretty solidly, unless I look at a player like Ryan Howard or Nalissa Smith as like 
this is the future of our franchise. If you are in love with one of those two players, you keep that pick. Um, and that depends on who you ask. And that really depends on Washington's front front office. If they're like, listen, you know, we've got, we've got bigs. We've got, you know, Deladon potentially coming back. We've got Alicia Clark out on the wing. Um, I think we can get Tina Charles to resign. We've got Misaman potentially, even though we're not positive on her coming back. Like we've got a lot of names that we can, but we're, we're maybe short on our point guard play. For example, just saying that for example, um, if they're happy with their point guard play, then don't worry about it. But Ryan Howard could be a great opportunity. Maybe you feel like, well, she's the missing piece. She would go over one, number one overall. Let's take her rather than trying to shop it for a different point guard that we see in the, in the league. You know, maybe you go try and pick up like Jordan Canada from Seattle, which I don't think Seattle would be wanting to part with right now, but you try and pick up, you know, somebody like that. That's, that's potentially out there for you to go and for you to go and snag. So, yeah. um, which if we're, if we're I, I going to agree way, with you, I think Seattle's got to start making some deals. Cause I, I don't think Seattle can just hold on to the threads of their championship team and make it, but that's another discussion. I, I don't necessarily, yeah, that's, uh, I don't necessarily see the, the three in Seattle, them being able to all resign, is a tall task yeah, to, to figure out they with, all are without get just totally offers. gutting the yeah without totally gutting the rest of your squad you gotta maybe pick two of those three so um but yeah I, I tend to agree with you unless you're really sure on on a player like Howard or if if Melissa Smith is the one that you're like she's the future unless you're really sure there you gotta really consider about shopping that pick because I think there are other teams who would who are looking at Smith or Howard and saying that's our that's our player. Yeah. You know, we got to do that. Or even just trading down, not like full, you know, if you're like, listen, if we can get a serviceable point guard, shooting guard, and we trade down from yeah, take, number one to number six. Take a Sophie Cunningham you know? and the Phoenix pick. Sure. Exactly. Like, like doing something like that. If Phoenix is really in love with, you know, take a serviceable bench player and you know, and 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 a pick, yeah. and then shop that number one to a team that might be looking to really rebuild and move move forward from the Diana Taurasi, you know, era. Um, that could easily be the case. That could easily be the case. So yeah. we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, here's where I th- I think things are interesting. In my opinion, the number one pick is going to be either Melissa Smith or. Ryan Howard. I think I tend to lean Ryan Howard, but that depends on who keeps the number one pick or not. <clears throat> that being said, I <laughs> Indiana, if you take it, if you're going second, then you really don't have a decision to make. You just take whoever didn't get picked number one, and so you can't really mess it up. And oh. so you just take the next, you just take the next player, and um, hopefully, hopefully they uh, they pan out well for you, and they're the next era and we can start to get some things figured out in Indiana. By the way, for those who are curious, if you're just listening, if you're kind of a new listener, Jason and I both lived in Indiana for a period of time. And so we actually are really, really want Indiana to be good. Yeah. Indiana is such like a Mecca of basketball and to have the fever not play well and have not been good really since Tamika catchings that pains us. 
<laughs> after loving the Hoosier State for so so much of our lives, like we we want Indiana do to do it. And so if it, if it seems like we're bitter towards them or we're hating on them, it's out of love. It's yeah. out of frustration that that we kind of cheer for them a lot. You know, we want them to get better. Yeah. No. And you, your statement that Larry Gingrich can't screw something up, I just it they'll <laughs> find a way. What what they'll do is they'll get Howard. And then not play her at all. That's like <laughs> and <then> bench her. <laughs> She'll come in like five minutes a game. <laughs> yeah, five minutes game. But uh, well, but and she'll come in on five minutes game and she'll and get probably eight drop points like and three rebounds. Eight, yeah, yeah, eight points, three rebounds, and two assists, and, and in like five bench. minutes, and and not play again. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and like like you were saying, Kyle, we're we're big Indiana fans, and the fact that we want them to be great, we're not big Indiana fans, and the fact that. We don't think that that staff has done much to help them be great, and uh, no, and that's where they've had our frustration bad luck is. and bad decisions, yeah. and it's and it's gone that way. Like both of those things have have impacted and compounded uh, for the Indiana Fever. Um, in fact, if you watch if you watch the actual uh, um, uh, what I can't remember the exact quote. If you watch the the draft lottery, I, I can't remember, I can't remember the quote was. Are you kidding me? Like when they didn't get the number one pick, I think that's what it was. It was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So, um, so after Indiana, obviously we mentioned Atlanta, which if there's a team that also needs just some love right now, yeah. it's Atlanta. They've had a lot of, uh, they've had a lot happen with their franchise in just the last two or three seasons. And, um, we will see what happens in Atlanta. I think Atlanta is trying to re envision their identity. Yeah. And so far I actually love what I'm seeing out of the ownership in Atlanta. I think that they've got a bright future. I just hope that they can figure it out sooner than later before they lose too much ground. So I don't know if this is, if this is a year, but if we can see a step up from Atlanta, if they can land a big, you know, if they can, if they can, snag a good draft pick that fits their, their needs as well as making a really solid couple, um, free agency signings. Atlanta hopefully can be, cause they're, they're missing. They're going to be losing several players that were on some pretty decent sized contract, you know, Courtney Williams and, uh, and others that probably aren't returning to the team. Um, so it'll be, I think they've got some plenty of cap space to work with. I, I could see them really reaching out to some players and offering a couple of max contracts out there. So, so that'll be interesting. And then Dallas, obviously Dallas has the number four pick and the number six pick, which is just par for the course. If you paid attention to Dallas lately, they just always seem to have a bajillion, uh, first round picks. And this year is no different. They've got two, two first round picks. Uh, Jason has a, uh, as a resident of the DFW area, how do you feel about having the number four and number six pick coming to you at the neighborhood where you live? I was excited about it last year. So last year, Dallas mm -hmm. had like all of the first round picks. Yeah. And I thought, cool, let's, let's do this just rookie style, full <laughs> rebuild. And it was a lot of fun. Like it, it was a lot of fun, but we also didn't actually see those rookies. Play. I was going to say the team got a lot better after drafting those yeah. rookies and none of the rookies played. <laughs> yeah, but it got a lot better because of Marina Mabry and her uh, ability to support um 
Arike and like they they had some dynamics that really worked, but it wasn't their their incoming class. And so for me, I don't I don't think Dallas's play here is let's develop more young talent. They've got plenty of that on their plate. They they've got mm-hmm. young talent to develop for for all you know until the end of time. That so if I'm I'm not that excited about Dallas having four and six because I don't see it adding value to the team uh, because they're they're not in a position where they've got some wise veterans who need to pass on the knowledge. They're in the position where they need to turn what they did into a stable and secure thing. So going for some people who are maybe partway through their career makes a lot more sense to me than than sitting at that four and that six spot. I just I don't think Dallas needs any more rookies. Uh, I mean, mm. it, it just doesn't make sense to me to hold on to that. So if I was if I was in Dallas's GM shoes, uh, I'd be shopping those picks pretty fast, uh, trying to to get what you can off of the market because um, you've got Awat Queer, you've got um, oh, I'm blanking first round pick, blanking Charlie Collier. Carly, Collier, you've got Collier, like you've got players to develop. I would focus my energy on developing those players and bring in some experience to 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 help the team now and to to be a role model and to set the culture there. So that's what I think Dallas do you needs. Think, yeah. Do you think that Dallas, because they've been so young, do you think Dallas might take this and say, okay, we got Mabry. Uh, let's keep, let's keep Awa queer because she's, she's literally just, I mean like what, 19, maybe 20 at this point. Yeah. Um, and she honestly really, I, I still think there's a lot of talent there. I think she just needs a little mm-hmm. bit of time to develop. Um, do you maybe see them, package those picks or take one of those picks in and look at a trade as well as trying to target some of those big name unrestricted free agents like Kalia Copper or Liz Cambage or, uh, you know, Bird Stewart Lloyd out of Seattle, Sylvia Faust, John Quote Jones. Like those are all big names that are all unrestricted free agents. Do you think Dallas has a shot at any of those and maybe packages you know, signs one of those and then tries to also shore up and snag a second veteran for like a four, six pick like package to say Phoenix or Las Vegas, um, something like that. What do you, what do you think? I think that's their best move. I think the hard sell on that is if I'm Dallas and I'm calling Kalia copper and I'm saying like, Hey, you're probably going to get a max contract from Chicago, but wouldn't you rather come here and not win a title? Like that, that's a hard sell. <laughs> that is hard. Um, and so, well, same with John Quell yes, after, you know, Connecticut was number one seed. Yeah. So, so. John Quell, if, if you're look, if you're in John Quell's shoes, if you're in Seattle shoes, if you're, you know, any of the players from Seattle, if you're in, in Kalia Copper shoes, every single one of those instances, I'm like, I think I've got a better chance of winning the championship where I'm at. Uh, and so that makes it right. hard because. Players want two things. A, they want to get paid. And so max contracts are a max contract. And with a team like Seattle, you might actually be able to find a situation where they can't actually max out because of their cap space a player that deserves a max. And, and that's where you could steal someone. Say, like, let's say that you keep Bird and Stewie and, and Jewel doesn't get that max contract, but say, yeah. say Dallas does offer and, a Jewel Lloyd. And, and so that's where I could see them sneaking in. Um, so I, I, th- I think it's, a, I think it's potential for them to do that. Um, I think they need to try mm-hmm. to do it. Um, I, I, I definitely think that they need to be on the phone and, and wheeling and dealing as much as they can to get that to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I see something like that and I see if you could, if you could max out one or two players, bring them into Dallas and then trade out your four and your six for, 
for kind of a solid support player. I think that Dallas would be in really good shape. I mean, I I have said, well, yeah, didn't they f- ever? They finished the the season like right at like that middle range, yeah, right? Like, like that, like a what, seven, seven yeah, seed. I think it was a seven seed. But I've been saying ever since, and I know that Dallas fans aren't going to like this. Arike's market value was at its highest at the All Star Game, and it's declining, and it's going to c- continue to decline because I think that was the highest that she'll reach at Dallas. I think that she has higher that she can reach. I think that's the highest she reaches at Dallas. I'd even be putting her on the table and seeing what I can get and how I can build off of that. And I mean, you pull in, mm. a, you 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 send Arike off, and Arike goes to develop somewhere else, and I think becomes a better player than she is right now. But you bring in a Jewel Lloyd. You bring in a, you know, a, a good, a good solid player from a Connecticut. Not, I don't think you get John Quell, but you can bring in someone from Connecticut or something like that. Right. And I'd say, well, and you're probably not going to snag Cam Beige because Cam Beige had a lot of words to say yeah. about the Dallas organization when she left. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty positive that Cam Beige will not be playing for Dallas. In fact, I don't know. We'll see. Like maybe we don't see Cam Beige in the WNBA next season. It's maybe she takes a year off. You know, there's, she's got a lot of, of things going on in her life. I would love to see her in the WNBA. I think she, she is a great player and creates a lot of storylines for us to talk about. So, but she's always, she always comes with question marks. Yeah. You know, no, she's definitely unpredictable. Which is, yeah, which is fine. You just got to know that. But yeah, there's zero chance that I think Dallas could get Liz Cambage back no. because of what she said about that organization. So you don't target her, but you target some of these others. Yeah, you, you, you know? target some of those players. And so if you can pull in two big names and what you lose for it is Arike, who is a big name for you, but I, I don't think is is going to progress much farther in your organization. And then you trade your four and your six for another big name. Now you've got Mabry, two big names, and you've got some some, you know, I guess now technically sophomores you're developing. That's a good Dallas team that maybe makes it to a four seed and, you know, is a year or two away from making a real shot at the title. Like I, if I'm building yeah. Dallas, that's my, that's my strategy. Yeah, that could be, yeah, yeah there, there could be some real, real interesting stuff to come from all that. Um, obviously we're going to go more into depth, uh, with the, uh, and speculation <laughs> with all things WNBA draft as the off season progresses. And as we start to head into free agency, uh, Oh, sorry. My Siri, my watch just went off. Um, come on, Siri, we'll, don't interrupt we'll the show. Head, <laughs> we'll, we'll be more into depth with, with all of this as things progress. We just want to get some initial thoughts out there as, uh, as the draft lottery finally actually came out. Um, so we'll be, we'll be hitting that up. Make sure that you're, uh, subscribed and paying attention. We've got some of our favorite episodes coming up. We're going to be hitting up our favorite WM. Each of us is going to pick a favorite WNBA moment of, or women's basketball moment. We should say women's basketball moment of the 2021 year. Um, we'll hit that up here in the next week or two. As the year closes out. And then my personal very favorite episode that we ever do is our New Year's resolutions episode. And this is going to be the fifth edition of that, um, here on the show. And I'm cannot wait for it. So we're going to have New Year's resolutions that we assign to each team in the WNBA. Each one of us is going to receive, uh, is going to make that for the three. So each one of us will receive three teams to do that for us. What I'm trying to say. Um, and we'll get to pick a new year's resolution for each of those. And we're really, really stoked on that. 
So pay, we've got some of the most fun episodes coming up here soon. We also will have a couple extra little bonus episodes coming your way that we've got planned in the meantime as well over the next few weeks. So be paying attention there. We, we are starting to hit our conference play here soon with NCAA women's basketball. Um, so the, things are going to be heating up there. Um, we'll be covering all of that, especially in regard to, uh, draft WNBA draft prospects. We'll be, I'll be making sure to, to cover a lot of that as well. But I believe that's all we've got for tonight. Jason, any last words before we go ahead and sign off? No, I uh, just want to say thank you to everyone who listens to the show. Uh, it's a lot of fun for us to make and, and we hope y'all enjoy it. Uh, and any of you who might be in Minneapolis come the early April, you know, maybe final four, uh, championship time, we will be there. So we'll have more coming up as we get closer to that. Um, but as we're getting opportunities to kind of represent the show at different places and venues and, you know, the final four and all star games and stuff like that, um, we're trying to figure out better ways to, to interact with y'all while we're there. So if you're going to be there, uh, hit us up. We want to do meetups. We want to, to maybe do some live streams. Uh, with fans, stuff like that. So, uh, keep that in mind if you're making your way up to Minneapolis. Uh, obviously, COVID permitting, uh, who knows what's gonna happen. That's months yeah, away we'll with COVID happens. time. That's like a decade. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, as, as we get closer to that, uh, we're excited for that and we're excited to, to get to meet some of you and see some of you that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I'm just really grateful for everyone who supports the show because it it makes it a lot of fun for us to do. We we really enjoy being able to do this with y'all. Absolutely. Well, that's all we've got for you tonight, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in for WNBA Nation. I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Jason Snow. And we got you next time.